Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the latest edition of the Wrestling Index Podcast featuring your boy, TK. And as always, you can find the Wrestling Index Podcast on FloorSlipperSports.com, right here on Floor Slippers YouTube, and on all audio platforms, and the Visionaries Global Media Network. Thank you, Chad, so much for hosting us up on there. Appreciate it. And if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening, I'm not alone today. I got a very, very special guest right here with me. I saw this guy live for the first time about two and a half years ago, and since then, I've absolutely fell in love. I hit him up on Twitter right away, and I was like, dude, your performance was incredible. Sam Adonis, welcome to the Wrestling Index Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. What's going on, brother? Thank you very much for having me. Actually, you're one of the only people that's had me for a return visit, just because we kind of vibe as well as we do, and you're one of the fans I actually get to see quite often when I'm in Chicago for Warrior Wrestling. I'm here today in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and I've, I've actually kind of figured out how to manage my schedule in a way that I could sneak the podcasting in during the layovers. So it's actually quite a good schedule to be on, and uh, usually when I get home after a long weekend away, wherever I may be wrestling, I like to sit on the couch with my puppy and do nothing. So <laughs> podcasting is one of those things I'll reserve for the, word, the road. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't blame you, man, because uh, like we were briefly talking about, you're one of the busiest men in wrestling. If you follow Sam on Twitter, well, if you don't follow Sam on Twitter, he's a great follow. You'll get to see all of his ventures across the world. This man is back and forth to Mexico. To me, it seems like every weekend, maybe it's every other weekend. But right now, you're, you're at a layover. You're in Dallas. You just got done wrestling for AAA over in Mexico. What's that like? Um, you're, you're, how's AAA going? You were just a world trios champion so let's talk about your travel schedule man let's talk about what, what you got going on in triple a i know i'm sorry you just lost those belts not long ago but you had like a 150 day title reign as trios champion over there with lion pressa so talk to me brother uh it's everything just is is going quite well all things considered um you know we all are still bouncing back from the pandemic that was covid and uh you know i kind of fell into a very good spot quite quickly after covid um, for those that don't know me or follow my career, I spent a lot of time in Mexico for CMLL when I actually lived in Mexico for two years. Um, since the pandemic and since the arrival of AEW and uh, a little bit more of the, the TV wrestling scene in the United States, you know, um, some of their main talent left and, you know, AAA was looking for somebody and I fell, fell into the role at the right place at the right time. So since then, um, I've been back and forth from Mexico at least every two to three weeks for the last uh, year and a half. And it is absolutely insane. Um, I love it. I love every minute of wrestling. I love the travel. I love the people I get some contact with. But, you know, the miles do add up. And uh, anymore, it seems like I basically live in airports. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of you know, taxing on the body and the mind. But at the same time, you know, it, it's kind of something that comes with the level. Um, I think, you know, so many people have these aspirations to be big stars and want to come, you know, to, to get to the, the top tier of professional wrestling. But a lot of times they're not mentally prepared for the actual grind that comes with it. Um, I always say that I'm you know, one of the, the busiest guys in wrestling, especially, you know, without the, the mainstream following. Um, I, I'm not on WWE or AEW, but you know, I, my schedule could rival any of theirs just because, you know, uh, you know go back and forth to Mexico. 
but at the end of the day, I kind of wear it as a badge of honor because, you know, AAA is a very, very select uh, style, if you will. Um, you know, I'm very proud to work for AAA, the reputation we have. And it's almost in, the, in a vein, I see that, you know, a lot of our guys could fill a lot of roles in the United States, but very few of the American wrestlers can come fill the roles of the AAA wrestlers. So, uh, you know, you'll hear wrestlers like Conan being very outspoken about, you know, understanding and knowing Lucha. Um, it really is a style of its own. And I think it's apparent when you see any of us, you know, on these uh, independent shows, you know, it's like Black Taurus and, and uh, uh, Laredo Kid, the AAA guys are on the next level. And, you know, just being able to share the ring with them on a, on a consistent basis. I think it adds to my allure and it makes me a little bit, uh, a little bit more cocky than I need to be. <laughs> well, cockiness is what helped uh, draw me into you. The first time I met you, like I said, it was Warrior Wrestling 8 Chicago. We were, you were about to wrestle for the world title in a War of Attrition match. And I do want to talk about that match in particular um, a little down the road here. But I want to talk about you and Lucha Libre. Because you don't find very many six foot four, 250-pound men who thrive in the Lucha Libre scene. And, if again, people don't know, you were, in my opinion, the best belt collector over the past two years you were the inaugural of pele pro uh world champion you had the triple a trios champion you had the uh lucha galley um i think world championship sorry if i butchered that name but right here in chicago in my backyard and you are still the warrior wrestling lucha libre champion um so you've been kicking ass left and right all over the place but i mean you're six four two fifty living in the land of lucha how is that well inaugurally you know um the reason I've been able to thrive is the fact that I, somehow I was able to learn Spanish in about three months. Um, you know, okay. when, I, okay. when I received my first opportunities in Mexico, um, you know, once I saw the writing on the wall and realized how much potential there was for me, I decided to make the life choice just to stay. So I ended up living there for two years and uh, I got invited to work out or train with uh, CMLL. And most people wouldn't know, but CMLL is kind of structured like a professional sports team. You have to perform and practice to get your, your matches on the shows. So every Wednesday at noon, we would have these training sessions that literally would rival, rival any professional sport. We would have to run the, sea, the stairs of a 10,000 seat arena. Or we would have to do acrobats jumping over each other, doing strength and conditioning, just, uh, just absurdly difficult uh, training. But, you know, the fact that I always, you know, uh, I've had wrestling in my blood, and I know that it's sink or swim. I was able to rise to the occasion. Um, I was able to pull that off and show people that I was capable of the lucha style and, you know, keeping up with the, the conditioning and the other athletes. Um, it's kind of helped my favor having a WWE contract prior to my time in CMLL, but getting in there and just getting that opportunity and learning Spanish was kind of the perfect storm of, of everything happening. Um, that being said, when I was in CMLL, I had two huge rivalries, one with Blue Panther, one with Negro Casas, and I ended up winning Blue Panther's hair, which is a huge deal in Mexico. Honestly, it made me a superstar overnight. And uh, since then, I've had like a, a certain level of respect. So after I left AAA, or after I left CMLL, sorry, um, when I was finally contacted by AAA, it wasn't... It wasn't like them contacting your average American, you know, bringing in a Johnny Mundo or bringing in revival right. like they do, because they, they definitely love their big American stars. But I was even surprised how they saw me more as a Mexican wrestler, as a luchador. 
because you know everyone in Mexico knows that you can't really bullshit your way through ZMLL. You can't just you know fall into that spot and keep that spot. It's impossible because as soon as somebody doesn't deliver and perform and practice, then they're off the shows. So you know, getting that opportunity and being that you know it definitely upped my value and, and elevated me. So more so, almost to the point where I didn't even realize I was that you know, well received in Mexico. Um, it's funny too because there's a lot of the, the lucha, uh, you know, podcasters or the, or the fans here in the United States. They only tend to have their idea of what they think of lucha libre, what they like about lucha libre. So they may like the you know the, the overtly crazy high spots and you know this stuff that I don't necessarily do. And at the time, there was people saying, how the hell is Sam Adonis in CMLR? Why is he here? There's so many better luchadors. What they didn't know that was backstage, you know, prior to these events, I had to do everything. I have to do it every Wednesday. I had to perform just like their favorite luchadors. I was doing the backflips in the front rows, everything in between, diving through the ropes, catching people, crazy, crazy stuff that, you know, you wouldn't have guessed me to do. But, you know, just like uh, a lot of wrestling fans tend to forget that we are employees as well. A lot of times you have to do what the boss asks you to do, you know. So when I was being told to, you know, go out and be a badass and punch and kick and you know be mean, bite people, you know, that's what I had to do. So uh, a lot of times I've had to work for the the bosses and gain the reputation um, on a professional side of things instead of worrying about my own, you know, personal social media or my own following. But that being said, it, it's kind of all fallen into place for me to have a really, really, really good spot. In, you know, essentially a very high profile in Mexican wrestling. That's amazing. And over there, are you, I know you said you're very highly respected and revered, but they still are your hardcore heel over there, right? They're, they're booing you like crazy. It's absolutely. Um, it's weird though, because there's a certain amount of respect that the fans have for each wrestler. Um, it's just such a part of everyday life. Um, you know, I would say Lucha Libre would be considered like karaoke in the United States. Everyone can kind of be a part of it. Some are very good, some aren't. It might be Friday night at the, you know, the biggest nightclub in town, or it might be Sunday afternoon in somebody's backyard. It's just there. And, you know, to, to have that, to be a part of it now, and, uh, you know, even as a heel, as somebody that I can wind people up so much and have people throwing you know, bottles at me and, and having you know, old ladies pull me off their favorite wrestler, there's still that certain, you know, kind of, it's a borderline of a fear yet a respect where you know outside the ring people still admire you they want to shake your hand they want to get a picture they want an autograph because it's they appreciate yeah he's a badass but i need to be a part of this guy i need a picture with him you know so it's it's not like right. you know it's not a turn the channel heat it's not a you know i hate this guy i'm not going to the show heat it's it's the right kind of heat and i definitely pride myself on that is that is that crowd over there so the american crowd and there's a lot what happened to you in chicago is that is the Amer is that the the Mexican crowd over there the Spanish crowd over there do they turn heels into faces like they do easily over here? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. It takes a little bit more time, um, but it also I think there's certain areas and certain arenas that are known for having heel crowds. So there's you know there's been multiple times, um, and usually it happens. Right now we the way AAA works is you know all of the contract employees and myself um, are able to, we get outside bookings. So that somebody will basically like, you know, like something like Impact does, or, or you know, you can go through the AAA office to book the talent. Well, a lot of times, you know, there's only so much money that these promoters can spend. 
So they'll only be able to get a couple of us. But that being said, when it's myself, Diamante Azul, and Puma as the AAA stars on a small town, you know, independent show, you know, those fans are always going to support the guys from TV over, you know, the small town heroes. So sometimes, you know, we can go out there as heels, but we will just be, you know, we'll be soaking it up because the people want to be a part of it. Um, a lot of those shows are completely, completely different, though. There's, uh, there's crowds that are insane. They're big. Um, a lot of disorganization. You know, a lot of times the show will say it's going to start at 8 o'clock. It starts at about 9.30. Um, for example, this past Saturday night, I was in Orizaba, Veracruz, which is, a, is in uh, South Mexico. My match did not go into the ring until 12.30. And I was exhausted after a long day, you know, flying the day before, and then a bus ride in program with the wrestling crew. It was just hard to get up for that crowd. Then a lot of times you have some local ring that is basically you know, pure cement with a, with a wrestling mat on top of it. And, uh, yeah, you feel it. So right now... I'm you're you're a fucking animal, bro. You're an animal, oh, dude. It's intense, man. It's, it's cool. It is what it is. And at the end of the day, you know, I see the big picture of it. You know, I, I look at, you know, I've always had an idea long-term of what I want to get out of wrestling. And I do like the the, uh, you know, the respect that comes with it and the fact that it's, you know, all part of the plan. It's all part of, you know, building your name, building your image, building a mark. You know, it's a lot more high profile for me in Mexico right now than it would be in the United States. Um, I think a lot, a very, very, very few wrestlers are conscious of their decisions as they, as they come long-term. A lot of people are just excited to sign the first contract they get offered. And a lot of times they don't realize that that might cool down their steam. Um, I mean, I could name probably five or six guys off the top of my head. I'm not going to, but I could. Of course, of course. Um, <laughs> about, you know, who had something special while they were on the independence. And then they signed a contract and just immediately lost that buzz. You know, at least yeah. down there in Mexico, I'm able to you know, maintain my, my professional position take care of myself, take care of my career while constantly, you know, keeping the, the, the train rolling, if you will, and just building up a, a fan base and having a backbone of followers and support that if I were to sign, you know, a major deal in the next couple of years, then it, it comes with a bit more of a value than just being a, a you know, your average indie guy, if you will. I gotcha. So I won't, t I won't ask you to tell me your dream aspirations, where you want to end up in the future, anything along those lines, because, you know, you're being the best Sam Adonis every single day. But I'll spin that question a little bit and say, is there an American championship in one of the major promotions that you have dreamed of winning your whole life that maybe is a goal of Sam Adonis's one day to win? Oh, absolutely. We don't need to be around that bush. I've always wanted to be a WWE champion. I'm going to do if you if you haven't been if you, if you haven't had that dream you know you probably shouldn't be around this um but at That's the end fair. of the day you know I've, I've been able to do so much uh already um if you would have known me 25 years ago you would have understood that i wasn't your average you know seven-year-old wrestling fan i was the seven-year-old wrestling fan that had aspirations of wrestling in cork and hall and in arena mexico and against blue panther negro cast assault with ragged junakiyama and, you know, just looking back and knowing how much I've accomplished, I called such specific shots and nailed every last one of them that I'm very confident about what's, you know, what I'm capable of doing. Um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, when you grow up, your, your dreams and aspirations change a little bit. And I think, you know, as far as actually, you know, achieving my dreams, I've done everything I've wanted to do. Now I'm to the 
point where I kind of changed my dreams a little bit and I want to, you know, just be a millionaire, <laughs> you know, make okay. a lot of money, yeah. be financially yeah, that's, stable, that's all while doing anything in the wrestling business. You know, I, I, I think my egotistical days are behind me. I don't need to be the heavyweight champion. I don't need to, you know, have this cool creative angle. Um, the more I'm around it, the more I'm kind of disappointed when some guys, you know, with when you hear somebody's making six figures a year and he wants out of his contract because, you know, they're not using me creatively. Well, you know, when you do this as long as I have and you struggle like a guy have, you, you realize that creativity does not mean a damn thing. You know, I, I would, I, I think personally, my the spot I want more than any is I want to be our truth our truth is on TV every Monday night for three minutes, running away from running away from someone to try to stop. <laughs> the guy is, gets his TV time. He gets his great paycheck and he's a WWE superstar. You know, that to me is yep. great. I've had the good matches. I've wrestled in Japan. I've wrestled, you know, with some of the best. I, I know, you know, I don't need that high profile, great match to consider myself validated. Um, so I think I see myself more as a somebody that's just looking for something long-term in the wrestling business, whether it's in the ring, out of the ring, backstage, anything. So those are the aspirations, but. Cool. That makes sense. So I was, I was actually going to ask you that because you have this personality, right? I think you're an incredible wrestler. We wouldn't be sitting here right now if I didn't, but you have the personality of an old school manager as well. You're exuberant, you're charismatic. <laughs> so when that body breaks down, you said you would do anything in the wrestling industry. What this industry lacks right now, in my opinion, is good managers. Like, I know Vince is gone now. I, you know, I want to ask you your opinion on that. I was very happy about it. Uh, Vince is gone. We got a new regime there. Hopefully, we get more managers coming forward. Um, what I, would, do you I would, would you gladly, I would gladly be a manager. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think I have a lot to offer backstage-wise as well. I actually promote my own wrestling show at Pittsburgh called WrestleRex, and I kind of you know, I went the whole Eric Bischoff route and try to, you know, do the exact opposite of what everyone else is doing. Um, you know, and you say I have an old school mind for it. It is it's because, you know, I grew up around it. It's changed so much. But the things I like about wrestling are kind of, you know, uh, becoming more and more obscure. So I, I think there's a lot I have to offer in that capacity. I would definitely love to be a manager, you know, especially in a high profile. If that was the job I was getting hired for, I'd be happy to take it. Um, the thing that would probably halt that would be the fact that I'm six foot four and 245 <laughs> pounds, you know, right. in an era where the, 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 a lot of the big guys are considered, you know, six one. So, um, yeah, true, true I'm down for anything. I definitely think that I, I do say that my best days are well ahead of me, though. I think, uh, you know, most people, there's so much rhetoric, there's so much, you know, uh, lore around the wrestling business. There's just such bullshit and false. You know, people, the, the, the most independent guys, are, you know, there's, a, there's a wrestling uh, culture out there that is just built on misinformation. You know, and one of these being, you know, wrestling's a young man's game. There has never been a point in the history where wrestling was a young man's game. You know, the best wrestlers are always 12 to 15 years in their career. They're always the ones that, you know, that uh, put the work in and, and they have to mature and be ready for those positions. So when someone says, oh, he's 32, he's 33, he's hitting over his prime, and that's not true at all. These guys are killing themselves at 22 and 23 to the point where they're not gonna make it to 33, 34, and they're never gonna have a prime. So, uh, I mean, I think right now there's there's certain guys out there that you could be talking about that, oh, 
you talk about their younger days and you know you almost kind of glorify the past when really while you're looking at them in that moment that is the prime you know cody that could be said for you know seth Rollins that can be said for these guys are so good now and they're not even necessarily veterans as much as they're just ready this is their right. time right. you know people people confuse 15 years in as being a veteran Whereas necessarily, you know, that's when you start to get good. You know, you're, you're a veteran when you're 25 years old, when you're 30 years old. So, no, that 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 absolutely makes a lot of sense. And even just like the guys you mentioned in WWE, Seth, Cody, you look at a guy like Bobby Lashley, 45 years old. I mean, that dude has never been better. Um, and I can, I can, you can see it all over the industry. <laughs> I got a bunch of. We have a crying baby here. So I was gonna say, I, I got a, I got a bunch of crying babies at my house all the time, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, um, the I always say, and this is my personal opinion, you know, but again, someone can definitely disappear. You know, Shawn Michaels was one of the best ever from you know 1987 to 1997, 98. He was great. He was, he was exceptional for his age, but in my opinion, the comeback was his run. You know, people say the comeback was the comeback. And I think, you know, his best years weren't there yet until he made his comeback. You know, that was the run that will be remembered more so than the 96, 97 run because he had the age, he had the experience. He's a well you know, oiled machine. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff out there now that, you know, you get good over time and, and there's no real rush to make it on top because there's a, you know, that new never goes out of style. There's always something for somebody, you know, and, and you're continuously getting better you know it doesn't matter if you're 15 years in or 20 years in look at bobby root you know he comes in and he's ready aj styles WWE debuted that there would be at 40 because that was the time you know so i i look at myself along those lines until until the right opportunity presents itself i'm happy to be you know uh, independent to be somewhere else and, and you know keep my stock high because like i said too many people sign the dotted line just so they can put a graphic up on twitter and then end up with nothing to show for it. Right. And you started there, right? Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you started in FCW around 2011. You were there, correct? I signed to, yeah, I signed to FCW in 2000. Well, I signed to WWE in 2011. I only spent about a year there, and it was not very glorious. Uh, I was a very immature kid. I was living the Tampa nightlife the best I could, so I was hungover for half of it. <laughs> had a knee surgery and, and, uh, and a couple extra pounds. It, it didn't go so well. But you know, that being said, that validation gave me so much credibility through my career, which led to you know, wrestling four years in Europe, uh, working in CML, all Japan, working with Ultimate Dragon, and uh, now AAA. So uh, I think you know the, the the voyage has been worth it. The experience, and the, the uh, it's invaluable, and maybe that makes me a little bit more hard-headed than other people. You know, maybe I'm stubborn. Maybe if I would have chase the 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 contract a couple years ago maybe i would have you know been on tv somewhere by now but at the same time i just uh, i believe in what i do and i think you know the opportunity will be there when the time is right yeah absolutely i i do agree with that um for sure um you can correct me if i'm wrong again william regal he helped you um with that first contract over in europe is that correct yes again that was actually i i've actually never had a contract since wwe Kind of, I'm pretty proud of that, honestly, because you know, it's to be able to work at such a high level for that long without full-time contracts takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of persistence and a lot of trust. 
to think that I can consistently have these places, you know, put their money, their time, and their effort into me, and to trust that I'm not going to run away and sign a contract tomorrow. You know, I pride myself on that fact. Um, especially now, you know, we're in an era where people don't seem to understand anything about contracts. And they think, yeah, I'll just sign this contract because in six months I can cry about it online and get out of it because that seems to be where we are. And it's right. absurd, you know. It's, it shouldn't be like that. That's what a contract is. You sign, you know, based on what they can do for you and what you can do for them. So to think that you can just get out whenever you want, I mean, that's, it's ignorance. I know the value of not signing that because I can do what I want until then. But you better believe, you know, when the time's right, I will sign the contract that is right because, you know, I'm a professional. Um, but, yeah, Regal is the one that hooked that up in the U.K. with Brian Dixon. But there was no contract involved. Um, it was all a handshake agreement. I went over there. We were wrestling, you know. We wrestled usually five days a week. Sometimes there'd be nine to 12 matches in that week. So, uh, you know, even though FCW was considered the developmental territory, I really learned my craft in the U.K., which is busy, busy, busy able to uh you know, get to the level i am now um and it, it almost made me walk straight in the front door of cmll as a, a finished product so they didn't just see me as a young kid trying to get a spot i looked like you know oh my gosh who's this guy why, why don't we know him let's give him a job so um everything all kind of fine always kind of fall, kind of falls into place nice do you still have a relationship with william regal today uh, yeah, I don't get to see him as much as, much as I would like to. Um, I haven't spoke to him in a while, but uh, I was staying in touch with him as recently as a couple of years ago. Uh, prior to the pandemic, I was talking to him a little bit more, but uh, I haven't been able to speak to him since he's gone to AEW or anything like that. Um, I always do my best to, to try to avoid uh, kissing ass, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't see you as an ass kisser at all, so I can well, see it, that. It's weird. Because a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of my friends and the people that I respect most in the business, you know, they give me the time of day because I don't, you know, um, I don't try to get get them to give me anything. Um, you know, just being able to sit down, talk with someone about, you know, wrestling history or you know, talk about, if it's with Ultimate Dragon, we can talk about Tiger Mask in 1984. And, and you know, you, you kind of, these people understand my passion and how much I love this based on the conversation. I don't want anyone to ever say, ah, well, he's only contacting me because now I'm in AEW. Oh, he's contacting me now when I'm in WWE. Got it. I, I try to stay t- stay in touch with everybody I can, you know, just through, through passing and just uh, catching up when when available. But, um, no, I'd love to see him again. He always treated me really good, and I, I have a lot to him right now. Awesome. Yeah, no, he's great. I love what he's doing in AEW with the Blackpool Combat Club. I think that's one of the coolest things in wrestling right now. Love Mox, um, so that's really cool. Uh, we don't got that much longer. I, I do want to run through a couple things with you um, before we go. It pretty much all has to do with Warrior Wrestling and what you've done in that company. So that's that's where I, I was introduced to you. You kick serious ass. You are the Lucha Libre champion right now. You were going to challenge for the Warrior Wrestling Championship. I know some things came up. I don't know if that match is still um, aligned here coming in October. Um, is is that going on still? You don't have to spoil it. Um, but I, what, I, what are your plans I, I, there? I unfortunately will not be at the Warrior Comeback on October 2nd. Uh, AAA has TV in Guadalajara that day. And the Warrior knows that the, the only thing that I would ever choose over Warrior was <laughs> AAA TV. So uh, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, I just love Warrior Wrestling so much. Uh, I love Steve and Eric so much because they believed in me. Um, like I said, most of my career has been outside of the country. And these guys have been more, you know, they're trendsetters instead of, you know, copycats. 
they gave me a chance because they knew what I was capable of. And they didn't care, you know, and it, it, I think a lot of the American indie fans are, who the hell is Sam Adonis? You, know, you either know and you feel a certain way or you don't know. And they kind of, you know, had my back on that. And I was on, you know, I think about 90% of all the shows they've had over the last four or five years. And through no fault of my own, I kind of became, you know, one of the hometown heroes, one of the local baby faces for, for Warrior Wrestling, if that makes sense. And I kind of, I like the fact that, you know, it, it's a high profile place and, and that could, you know, almost, you could almost summarize my career based on that. Um, it happens a lot of places. It's, I think now so much wrestling is uh, you know, forced. So many, oh, let's turn him heel, let's turn him face. Oh, he'll run out and hit someone with a chair. Um, Warrior was a place where it was organic. You know, I came and I, every time I just, I was always faithful. I did what I did every match just to show people what I could do. And that consistency kind of builds up a respect. And then the next thing you know, you know, the people were chanting for me instead of my opponent. You know, after that match with uh, Matt Cardona, I see everybody had my back. Then I, you know, I had tore the house down with Jay White and everyone, whoa, man, Sam knows what he's doing. And now, you know, I, I think as far as one of the, the, the Warrior main roster guys, I think, you know, there's very few that have a bigger reaction than me every show. So I think it's a testament to just, you know, being consistent. So, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that says you don't have to hit a grand slam every game. You know, the batting average always, always makes you a great player. Um, so I, I kind of hang my hat on that with Warrior Wrestling. Uh, I will be a part of them as long as I can. I'll do anything I can for them. You know, I'm sure there will be a next date announced soon enough. But October 2nd, I will not be there. But I will one day be the Warrior Yes. Yes, you will. And I told you that like two and a half years ago, I messaged you and I said, I can't wait for you to win that belt. You said, we'll have celebrate celebratory beers. And I said, I can't wait. It will happen so, well, sooner than later. <laughs> it's one of those things where a lot of wrestling fans, you know, again, coming back to the wrestling lore and wrestling culture, so many fans don't know where to look. So many, you know, there's so much just so much out there, so much happening at any given time. You know, if you're an AEW fan and you love AEW, you can watch AEW five days a week. There's not much time to go out and find new fans or find impact or find. So, you know, most wrestling fans know what they like and, and it's kind of hard to you know, appeal to a new audience. Lucha fans know Sam Adonis and know what I can do. There was a point in time where the Japanese fans were starting to get into my work. But, you know, it's very hard to get a, a, a wrestling fan base to just switch all of a sudden and say, oh, hey, there's Sam Adonis. So, uh, you know, Warrior's been a, a good position for me in the past. And, and I think, uh, you know, their reputation is growing almost alongside mine. Um, and I think that, you know, the timelines will add up. Uh, hopefully, you know, if I am if ever considered one of their top guys, it'll be at the point where I'm working on top of Mexico still. And everybody, you know, is kind of, hey, Sam Adonis is doing big things. And, you know, the way I see it is it's not, you know, constantly moving forward, you're moving backwards, you know. And, um, even though I have been working a long time, I, I would say every year of my career has been better than the last. So, like I said, I'm very ambitious, and I just think the, the, the world's ahead of us. I'm so glad we're all back at it post-pandemic. And, uh, yeah, there's some, some big stuff coming on up on AAA, too. So any listeners out there, uh, get ready, because uh, it's about to turn up to 11 when I get back down from Mexico. Can't wait. Can't wait to see uh, it, man. Let's, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. There would be a, a major singles program coming up. Ooh, okay. That's exciting stuff. So so little away from the trios into the singles? 
Oh, I'll still be with the trios, but uh, there's just uh, there's, there's some works in the pipeline that will be worth tuning in for. So I'm excited for All it. right. That's very exciting stuff. Um, and I'm going to go a little, two quick questions for you, because we got about five five minutes here. I want to get these in. First of all, the War of Attrition match. Has there ever been a match like that in wrestling? Warrior Wrestling does it. It's the coolest match I've ever seen. Second, you wrestled Wardlow in a tag match about two and a half, three years ago. Did you anticipate him getting to the level that he's at, where he's at right now? Um, the War of Attrition question is, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I even compliment Stephen Eric on it. Um, they have to deal with a lot, having to work with contracted talents. Um, there's certain political situations you have yourself in, and you know, a lot of people probably know what I'm talking about, but uh, you always have to make sure you have something that protects each talent and each brand. That that match particularly is absolutely amazing. Um, it, it just keeps everybody's bases covered, and it's fun and entertaining, and you have eight people involved, you know, so um, for those that, those that understand wrestling politics, they understand why that match is so important. For those that don't, it's awesome because there's there's you know, just a badass eight people match that you know, always delivers. And Warrior uh, Wardlow is no surprise at all. Um, Wardlow actually has been wrestling here in Pittsburgh, where I'm from in Pittsburgh, forever. For the years that I wasn't living in Pittsburgh, he was actually you know, the top baby face for the company IWC. Um, and he's always been a great dude. He's always worked his ass off. People bought into him and believed him there. Um, it's definitely, uh, it, it's awesome to see his position now. Um, me being basically to, to, to stay on the, the lines I was just discussing on, consistency. Wardlow didn't really have anything going on for the first two years of AEW other than the fact that he consistently delivered his little role. He was there, he was intimidating, he did what was asked him consistently. And in a company that can you know, have different angles and ideas every week, that little bit of consistency means so much to advance that they just, oh, that's, we like that. We like that because it's been there since the start and it's not changing. And then it, you know, it just grows and next thing you know, you know it, it is what it is. Uh, you, you definitely are gonna have that, anybody that's going for the guy like MJF that can talk that much and you know, build that feud. It didn't. It's no surprise to me that it worked out the way it did, um, and that's no that's no short sell on Wardlow because he he deserves every minute of it. You know, anybody who puts that much time and effort into the gym and gets better constantly, you know, I'm happy for his success, and I think he'll be he'll be around for a lot of years to come. Yeah, man, he's a lot like you. He's big and he's agile, man. You guys both the shit you can do off the top rope is fucking blows my mind. I don't know how someone that big can do what you guys can do. So oh, yeah, man, I, wish, I wish I wish I wish I had those shoulders and traps that he does. But <laughs> don't 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 we him. all, dude? My God, coming out, man! Coming out the womb, coming out the womb with those <laughs> traps, man. I'm sure his mom's still mad at me that one. <laughs> yeah, I got to meet him last year at a Stromberg. Uh, it was an AEW charity event. We went to the wife, just like we met you with me, the wife, me, the wife, yeah. and the kid. Met him, took a picture. It was really cool stuff. Sam, when's the next uh, WrestleRex show? Uh, October 20th, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You got Bandito coming in. Sam Doss against Bandito in a singles match, which is kind of cool. Um, for anybody that can check out my social media, it's Real Sam Adonis on all platforms. Um, if you get to see any of the WrestleRex advertisements, check it out. Um, I pride myself on what WrestleRex is. It's kind of the counterculture to independent wrestling. It's one of the coolest places you ever see. The, uh, the, the lighting and production value alone is Two hundred forty thousand dollars. Then you bring in some of the best unsigned talent on the planet, and uh, you know, I don't like to call it an 
indie show because to me it doesn't feel like an indie show. It feels like you know just as high level as some of the, the, the major shows we do. But it's in a small intimate environment. It's Pittsburgh. It's a lot of fun. So WrestleRex is here, and I think there'll be shows probably every every other month or so coming soon enough. The worst part is though I have to build it around my travel, and that's why things can be. <laughs> And are you the you're the head booker for it? You're doing it all backstage. Uh, I yeah, I've been I've been known to be a bit of a micromanager because I'm so passionate about the way it should be and what I want out of it. Um, I've learned very long ago that if you want something done, you do it yourself. Um, luckily, after the first five shows, we've reached a level where everybody kind of you know agrees that I know what I'm doing. So now there's less pushback. Now, a lot of people, and I hate to say that, I'm not a dictator. I don't want it done a certain way because I need my my you know, ego fed. I just know from my experiences what will work in my city. So now having people to work for me and work with me, you know, they kind of ask, hey, Sam, what do we need to do? And I can say, hey, let's do this. Okay, cool. We'll do it. Now I have a team and I have people in place that are helping me make it work. And it's just like anything. You know, you look at yeah, Warrior Wrestling or ECW. Anytime anything starts getting good, you get, you know, uh, you attract talent, you attract people that want to be a part of the team. Um, and hopefully, I would love to get to the level where, you know, WrestleRex is a brand that we could have shows that I might have been a part of, you know. You could say, oh, hey, guys, I'll be Triple A that day. You guys got to put the show on. I know we have the in-ring talent. I know we have the, the backstage talent, the people that pull it off. Uh, my little sister is actually the head of production. So she had awesome. 21, and she she's I mean, the show wouldn't be what it is without her. She's the one that sits at the lights, uh, the, the lighting and the music, music, and hits all the time cues. And just, I mean, anybody that comes to that show and, and sees what I'm talking about, they'll know. Oh my gosh, you know, this is this is impressive, and it takes a lot of work. So, you know, yeah. so she, so she grew, she loved the wrestling her whole life too, like you guys. So, I wouldn't say she even loved it as much as we did. She just, it's just the family business. It just is what it is, you know. Okay. Say subconsciously, my mom knows more about wrestling than most wrestlers. So it's <laughs> it just, you know, when you're around it long enough, it becomes second nature. And now, you know, now it kind of feels like we're back in the swing again. It feels great now being able to have my mom and dad sit up on the balcony and the best seats in the house and not have to lift a finger. You know, yeah, that's so they cool. were always the ones stressing about money and then getting the guys paid and booking flights and everything. Now they just get to watch the show and it almost feels, you know, like a, it's, it's an upgrade a little bit compared to what we used to do. So it's a good feeling and, uh, you know, I appreciate everybody involved, but uh, we'll see where it goes. It's awesome. stressful though. It really is. It really is stressful <laughs> promoting us. Promoting events from a different country is not easy. So, uh, oh, I'm sure. Can, I'm sure. Anyone that can avoid that, I would suggest it. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Bandito coming up. I love Bandito. He's awesome. I've seen that where you're a few times. Just a great, great performer. Um, when are you, you're going to be on there the next show as well? Yep, yep. It'll be me and Bandito in the main event. So, uh, oh, he, shit. He actually, Even better. He, he was actually supposed to be at the, the first or the last show um, in June, but the week before he ended up getting a stinger in Mexico. And had to sit out. You got your arch uh your arch nemesis to fight you instead you got Psycho Clown there or what? Oh yes. Well initially they were both on it. Um when when fight when Bandito pulled out, we ended up getting Lince Lince Dorado. So uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it was hot. I think Lucha's still kind of cool enough. It has a little bit of a hipster allure to it. It's not necessarily just yeah. indie wrestling. So bringing some of those luchadors to Pittsburgh has definitely helped the brand grow. 
Awesome. And uh, you can check out Sam Adonis versus Lince Dorado on the Warrior Wrestling YouTube. Go back and scope that. Banger of a fucking match. Sam, they said you said uh, Instagram, Twitter, Sam Adonis, correct? Real Sam Adonis. So my flight is being called right now. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all of your support and anybody out there listening. And uh, I'll see you in Chicago soon enough. Thank you for joining, Sam. I appreciate you, brother. You take care, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Bye. Bye. All right, that was Sam Adonis, one of the best independent wrestlers around. You can check out his work over in AAA right now. He's banging out Warrior Wrestling. He's a Lucha, the Lucha Libre champion with Lucha, with Warrior Wrestling. He's doing big things with his WrestleRex um, platform promotion out in Pittsburgh. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. You can follow him at the Real Sam Adonis on Instagram and Twitter. Find him; he's the man. Sam, thank you so much for joining my show. As always. I'm your boy, TK. This has been the Wrestling Index Podcast. You can find it right here on Floor Sniper Sports YouTube, floorsnipersports.com. You can find the Wrestling Index Podcast at the Wrestling Index on all audio platforms and also on the Visionary Global Media Network. Thank you, Chad, for hosting us up on there. For all of you who tuned in, thank you so much for taking the time. Sam, thank you again for joining me. And for all you, we out.